I want to go right to where I, I, I know that we got to talk about today and share today. Uh, and the title that I would give today is simply a question, am I losing my mind? Yeah. How many feels like that guy right there? And we have some fun with that, and we, we use this expression in a lot of different ways, but especially now, in just seemingly overnight, we're hearing things from friends, from coworkers, from family members, and we're like, where did you come up with that? Why do you believe that? And it comes back to this, this question that really is loaded. Am I losing my mind? Not my brain, but my mind. Am I losing my mind? Have you ever uh, met somebody that you've not known for a while, either because they've gone off to school and they're just coming back, or somebody, the way your office works, uh, they've been uh, on assignment and they're coming back, and you've noticed real change in their attitude. You've noticed real change in their conversation. Maybe they've even changed in their outer appearance. Maybe now they're pierced and tattooed or purple hair. Or maybe they don't have hair. Maybe they shaved it all off. I mean, it's just all these changes. Have you ever met anybody like that? Yeah, what happened, we ask. If we don't say it publicly to them, we at least in our mind are screaming, what happened? You've changed, and you've changed radically. And we know in many of these situations, we are alarmed that there's that kind of radical change in a, in a period of time, sometimes a short period of time. And in many of these situations, it's, in our opinion, it's not a positive, it's a negative. How did our grandchild come up with that? Why did my son say that? Where did you come up with this information? Why are you involved in this thing that you said that you used to hate? We can go on and on with the examples, but we know the reality is, is that things, people, and minds can change, and they change why? Many times because of environment, many times because of experience, Sometimes because they've done a deeper study and are more knowledgeable. And other times it's the influence that somebody is playing in their life. So we're just going to let this breathe for a minute because we're all there and many times very concerned. Many times it's our child who all of a sudden is just using language they didn't ever use. Conversations going into uh, types of conversations we, we would not approve of. And as a parent, we're like... Well, you've, you've changed since you started dating that boy, and you've changed since you met that girl, and since you joined that group at school. And then other times, as grandparents, you're taking the kids off to Six Flags, or you're taking them to get an ice cream, and, and they're talking about stuff. It's like, what, where did you learn that? How, how many is with me so far? Sure. And we keep coming back to this, well, what, what happened? And the reality is we all know even though as a pastor, how many multiplied times have I come, someone come up to me and said, Pastor, I don't want to hear any more. I just want to stay in my bubble. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. 
from very educated people, very intelligent people. I just want to stay in my bubble. In other words, I've dealt with enough change. I don't want any more change. Don't add one more thing to the list. I want to live in this mythological world right now called a bubble, and nothing else is going to bother me for the rest of the day or the rest of my life. Well, we don't live in bubbles, and we know that. We live in a very multifaceted environment. We live in a place where there's dynamic conversations going on all the time. There's all kind of voices speaking to us. I know this is probably uh, new information for somebody, so I'll give a spoiler alert here, but how many have has heard of a thing called social media? You know, it was just a few years ago we talked about postmodernism. What does that mean? And we've talked about the Internet and what does that mean and what could that usher in and with the positives but what would be some of the challenges? And I, I wonder if we did a congregational evaluation, if, if people would do a survey of how many different people will talk to you next week through social media. Whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's things that's involved in your occupation, maybe it's a group that you've joined and you just play together, whatever the list, I wonder how many different voices are speaking to you. But it takes your breath, doesn't it? We're no longer just talking about certain news mediums. We're talking about podcasts. We're talking about, it just goes on and on and on of how many people, even for some of us that are older schools, so to speak, and we like a hardback book and we're reading it, it is still a voice that is speaking to us that may have multiple voices within those pages because that author is referencing this situation and this person and all of a sudden now you're attached to that voice if we did the math it would just literally explode our minds to know how many people are speaking to us and now with social media with the internet as a platform how many different countries and nationalities are speaking to you we're reminded of Solomon and what happened to him because of his multiple relationships from all these different parts of the globe that were influencing him. But I'm not going to camp out there. That's just a thought. Didn't cost you an extra dime. So here's where we got to go. We, we, we use certain words. If something is converse to you, in that use of the word, it means something is opposite of you. How many of you married somebody converse to you? Sure. My wife just raised her hand. <laughs> and it is true. Converse in many ways. Opposite, even contrary. And yet we take that same word and we change it just a little bit and we converse it's no longer converse, opposite, but now we're dialoguing, we're conversing, which means that we exchange views. Now, many times we do this diplomatically sitting there at a round table, and other times we're exchanging our views at decibels like this. <laughs> and we feel like we're losing our mind in this conversing. And with that, then we know 
that we go to conversions, which means that is the act or that is the process that's involved in something changing. For those of you that like cars, vehicles, we know that there can be a conversion of this vehicle. We put a different power plant into it. We put a different drivetrain into it. And now, oh, 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 now it will go faster. But we also know you can convert homes. You convert, how many of those you can convert these bodies that we have? With all these things being said, finally it leads up. Then therefore, through all these things, we can have converts. In Christianity, we've embraced that word. We've been commissioned to go into all the world to make converts. Today, Islam. Go to anything that they promote, they will tell you we're all about world domination. It is about conversion. Again, when it comes to converts, it is to transform, to cause to adopt someone to a different religion or a different opinion or a different political position. And again, sometimes it's very positive in our position or attitude. Other times it's negative. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. You know where I'm going. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Those of you that are streaming, those on vacation, we know you're at the beach right now, and we don't like you for that, but the other thing, we love you. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 simply states this. I appeal to you, therefore, there's another therefore. You know I love my therefores, brothers. By the mercies of God, and that's what really jumped out at me this time. By the mercies of God. In other words, he's pleading with us. You've got to do this. Do what? Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Present them holy and present them acceptable to God. Just pause there, right? At no matter what juncture of the day, whatever we're involved in, and all of a sudden we just got a little alarm on our phone that just says, you will see God face to face in the next three seconds. What would be our attitude change? We can go home now. <laughs> Think about it. We are to present our bodies as living, not just a one-time deal, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Will he accept me right now? I wonder. Can you give me time to go change my clothes? Can you get me to go wash my mouth out with soap? <laughs> This is good stuff, isn't it? We're just getting started. Which is your spiritual worship. And then here it is. You knew us where we were going. Do not. By the mercies of God, do not. To make sure you're acceptable with God, do not be conformed to this world. Boy, is this a message for this hour or what? but be transformed by the renewal, not of your brain, but of your mind. What is he saying? That by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Lord, we give you thanks for your word. And I, I just feel impressed to do something right now. Can we give God an applause of praise with our hands for his word? <laughs> I have never done this, but I just felt compelled. Good word, God. A right now word, God. Thank you, God, for your word. I may do this more often. You're not applauding my preaching. You're applauding his word. You may be seated. It says to be transformed and not conformed. And again, because we a lack of time, I'd like to go deeper, but just, just the general sense of what we're talking about and the way he's presenting it, to be conformed is again, this conversion, adopting uh, what is being said, and it's dealing with the soulish part of us only. How many knows we're living in a day of feelings? Don't be conformed to the world just because they're presenting something that stirs your emotions. Man, we can find ourselves being stirred. Last night, I was at Home Depot. Can you imagine that? I was in a Home Depot. And when I was at Home Depot, there was a nice young man right there, and he had the cutest little speckled pup, blue eyes, looked like Frank Sinatra's eyes looking at me. It was a little French bulldog. I love French bulldogs anyhow. And I went over and started talking, and he said, yeah, I, I, I have my own kennel. I said, oh, man, about seven to eight weeks. He said, spot on. He said, I said, we talked a little bit more, and, and finally, I, I talked about them blue eyes. He said, yeah, that's the very reason I never can hardly sell them. Those blue eyes are always looking at me. I emotionally got attached to that little. I wouldn't take him home. How many is with me? My wife raised both hands on that one. <laughs> Don't be conformed. In other words, be, be very wary that emotionally you can get attached to stuff immediately. Ooh, come on, preacher. I mean, at times... We feel vilified. At times we, we, we have situations like, I would never, I would never accept that in my home. I'd never accept that in a conversation. I would never accept that out of one of my kids. And all of a sudden you meet somebody else, a co-worker co or somebody else, and it's like, I really like them. And then they take that position you said you would never accept. What happened to us? Now I got to process. Do I feel as bad about that? I mean, when I was not attached to it personally, I took a real strong position, but now I've met somebody that I really like. I admire. I respect them. i got to rethink this. You see, that's not always a negative. However, what are you measuring against? Am I losing my mind? Wow. But be transformed in other words, there's something different than just being conformed through emotion. There is a spirit's work to be transformed. I want you to look at yourself right now. And here's what the Word of God says about us. It says we are created by God. And not only created, but created in His image. We are children of God. God himself created us and claims us. Come on, somebody. We are heirs unto this God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we are instructed to put on the mind of Christ. 
We are stewards of creation to this day, not just that first garden. We still have a responsibility given to us. That's why we're still here. On earth, we were taught as it already is in heaven. We are kingdom of priests. All these things coming back, and here's what I love, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, beholding his glory, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Wow. How many need to hear that today? Beholding his glory, I am being transformed into that same image that he has. This will knock your socks off, folks. Whenever all these thoughts come in our head, oh, well, I'm just nobody. Woe is me, wowsy, wowsy, woo-woo. I could ask Jim Zaboy to sing his favorite song right now, Nobody. Isn't that right? Nobody loves me, nobody cares. We're losing our mind the way God created us to think. My God, preacher, come bring it on. We are not losing our brains, we're losing our minds, we're losing our position. When we find ourselves attached to a world's culture that says we will accept you if you will be just like us and be conformed. And the word of God says, but if you'll be transformed, behold my glory. You like what you see? Absolutely. I am transforming you into the same image, one piece, one event, one experience at a time. We're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. He gives us space to grow. My God, what a motto for a church. To know him, to grow in him, to make him known. Know, grow, and show. It is that growing fact. We are being transformed one degree to the next. It is a spirit's work. Now you get ready for this. You and I, we have this power. What power? We just sang about it. We got tapping our toes to it. We got clapping our hands to it. What power is he referencing is the power of the mind. We have been created in God's image, and he put within us free will. He created us to be able to think, to feel. Aren't you glad we get to feel as well as think? But if all you do is feel, you can get led astray. He's given us the ability to think and to feel. I mean, have you ever thought about simple things just like food? How many of you likes food? What if all food tasted the same? How boring would that get? What if it had no taste at all? What if God didn't just have a whole palette of colors and hues? What if he just made everything blue, green, white, black, orange, whatever? It's the same way as he's creating us. 
He's created us to be able to think. He thinks. I mean, knows that. We're created in his image. We don't have a thoughtless God. We have a thinking God. I know I'm taking you places that you're just like, well, I haven't looked at it just like that. I, I, I worship God. I don't know anything about him. Why don't you know anything about him? He's given us his will. We get to look into his glory. Come on, somebody. We get to behold him. Well, God's ways are beyond our ways. His mysteries to perform. How many has ever had an intimate relationship with God? Sure. Another one of the tools that God gave us at Grace Life is E to the fifth power that we can experience God. We believe that we can experience him, that we can feel his presence, yes, amen. can feel the touch of the master on us. And we also believe that we can have an encounter with him. It, 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 beyond just experiencing God on a daily basis, he gave me breath to breathe today. He's, I'm experiencing life itself that he gave to me. But those encounters, sometimes it's through the preaching of his word, sometimes it's a personal devotion, sometimes it's just somebody coming up and talking. You're just like, wow, the timing of this is of God. How many of us ever had one of those experiences? We call them divine appointments. Have you ever met somebody just at the right time? You hadn't previously met them. All of a sudden they show up and they get talking to you. It gives you directions like, how did that happen? Did he order my steps? Did he order their steps? Sure. I've preached it many times. Moriah, when, when Abraham knows he has to give sacrifice, I'm going to have to give up Isaac. What he couldn't see. In the mind of God is God was already providing the sacrifice for that day. He was looking for the obedience in Abraham. But as much as Abraham and Isaac were walking up this side of the mountain, he already had a ram walking up on this side of the mountain. And at the right time, just when Abraham says, boy, this is going to hurt you worse than it hurts me. <laughs> God said, you don't have to do that. I've already provided. Look at the ram caught in a thicket. Coincidence? No. He's created us with this power of a mind. What does it mean to put on the mind of Christ? You see, when, he, when we break it down, all this determines how we live our life. You ever met somebody that's lost their identity? They can't think for themselves anymore? Come on. Absolutely. I mean, don't you want to just shake? Come here, Wayne. Let me shake you. Oh, that's right. As a pastor, I've been there many a time. Not necessarily with Wayne. What were you thinking? I wasn't. Did you lose your mind? Yes. Why? Well, they said, who's they? I don't know. And listen, when that anointing gets on me, you have no idea where that thing takes me. These are real life situations. I just 
Dr. Bo and I were just talking before service, before Sunday school, actually. And I'd share this with last week, and here it is. I feel like, if, again, you look at John the Baptist, and here he is out there, a strange guy with a camel power suit on, popping locusts. And he's out there preaching. What gave that dude the strength to be unique? What gave him the ability to stand strong? And he even said, when you came out in the wilderness, what did you expect to find? A, a willow blowing around in the wind? He was a bulwark. He was standing red strong. Why? Because he knew his mission. He knew what he was looking for. I'm, I'm just preparing the way of the master. It's a picture of us as well. In a, as the, many times we've preached it, as the word of God says, a perverse uh, uh, environment, culture that's going on. Where's God's people? They say, I shall not be. I shall not be moved. I know in whom I've believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I commit unto him against that day. I know who I am and I know who he is and I know who I am in him and I'm going to stand on his promises. I'm going to stand upon his word and I'm just going to stand right here under the promises of God until he shows up. When I've done everything else to know, he says just to stand. The only way to do that is by not losing our mind. It is a good word. It's a way we won't forget it. How many times have we lost our minds? In a serious way. I forgot who I was. I don't know how. It was a fatal attraction. I don't know what. Because you forgot who you were. You lost your mind for a moment. It may cost you. An exacting price that you would have never paid. You see, when it comes to the brain, it's simply part of the machinery God's given us. It's part of the central nervous system. But the mind is the substance that God has given us. That knows how to think and how to reason. How to feel. How to will. How to perceive. How to judge. In that brain series, what we learned is the brain... The brain, not the mind, the brain is neuroplastic. It changes. We know, we talk about drugs, pharmaceuticals, mind altering. It's really brain altering. Gets the mind caught up in it. Of changing Many times, yes, it, it is to help and to assist other things, of course, so destructive. That's why it's important to understand the power of the mind. The brain is neuroplastic. It changes according to its environment. How many of you have ever changed? For the good. Let me give you a... Everybody put their hands up now. Oh, I'll, I'll take you up on that, Pastor. How many of you have changed for the worse? That no takers, right? You're all so perfect, bunch of liars. <laughs> and yet we come back to his word. Do not be conformed 
to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of what? The mind. Well, that's why before our time and during our time, and we're going to continue in this faith of ours, when somebody comes to faith, what is the first instructions we give them? Now, you need to get a Bible of your own, and you need to get in that Bible, and you need to read it, and you need to learn how to pray. You need to have a mentor. You need to have somebody. Why? All these things teaching the same core truth that this brain is neuroplastic. It's going to change with the environment. So we have to train our minds to think upon that which is good and honest and pure and just and lovely. It takes effort, discipline. How many of you love gossip? Come on, put your hand up. Thank you for being honest. You're going to hell over it, but thank you for being honest. <laughs> Just having fun with it. I don't want you to go to hell. You don't either. That's good. Then don't lose your mind. I may stage you more often. You can sit here next week. No. What, what are we talking about? Look how important this is. God created us to be able to think, to feel, and to make choices. You're going to be in situations where the culture is going the wrong way and you know it in your heart. Do you have the strength to make the choice to say, no, I will not accept that today. I'm not going there. I know who I am and I'm going to remain right here. There are other things that we do need assistance. Somebody knows the Holy Spirit is there to guide us into all truth. Have you ever had to change because you were convicted by the Spirit of God? Not condemned, but convicted. Been there many, many times. God, shape me. Mold to be a living sacrifice. It's an ongoing process. That's, that's the thing about this whole process is to understand these choices. I'll finish with this. Wherever the mind goes, the brain will follow. We learned that again in the brain series. Unforgiveness. What happens to the real estate of the brain is eye-opening. The diseases that follow negativity, hate, prejudice. The healing that comes to the brain when the mind says, I will forgive this person. Wow. I'll finish with this. Brother Allen, you were spot on today sharing those scriptures with us. We'll go to one more place about faith. You'll find it in Luke 17. And we're, we're being instructed about faith. And as Jesus is doing the miraculous, once again, the disciples came and said what I have said multiple times. You've probably said as well, Lord, increase my faith. But if you'll notice the way Jesus answered it, he didn't do what they said. He didn't do something to where all of a sudden, presto, you got more faith. What he gave them was a truth of the mustard seed. 
He said, if you would have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would be able to speak to this tree or speak to this mountain. And these illustrations given, what was he saying? What he was telling them is this. What they needed was not more faith. It wasn't that their faith needed to be increased. It was their obedience that needed to increase. Everything you share with us today had increased capabilities in it because every one of them verses said, if you will, and there was an action, there was a verb. If you will believe, if you will trust, if you will agree together, all these things that the word of God instructs us to do is stepping out on faith. So for somebody else that's just getting started, well, then what do I do? I haven't been in church as many years as so-and-so. I, I, my parents weren't Christians. I, I'm the first Christian. I, on and on and on. But the Bible tells this. To each one of us has been given the measure of faith. That's why he didn't increase their faith. We're given the measure of faith. It's what we do with that measure. It is a good word. Would you stand with me today?